Ooh, uh, Do you need water? I'm good. Are you sure? All right. Yeah. You sound very raspy. Don't. It's from all the hooahs. Go get water. I'm good. Go get water. You're listening to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. This is a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed. And maybe I do need some water. Can you get me some water, assistant? <laughs> <clears throat> Co-host, not assistant. Hoo-ha. Okay, we're going to just add that in at the end. I told you you needed water. You're not going to talk for an hour. I need a milkmaid. Milkmaid. Hoo-ha. 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 Did you record that? Hoo-ha. What is hua? Can we I hua. can I speak to Pacino now? Hua. <clears throat> water. See, water's such a good thing. Water. <clears throat> a hua. Hua. I just had me go three octaves <clears throat> last night. Hua. Hua. What is hua? We are hua. We're still recording. <clears throat> Are we ready now? You're listening to this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want me to do the intro? No. You're listening to the Tomato Tomato podcast. This is a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed. And sometimes it's just simply about hua. I'm your co-host, Chris. With me, as always, is... Your co-host Jenna, who was very pleased that that intro finally like came together perfectly. It finally came together, unlike some movies that don't come together in the end. So, we've been meaning to do a bad, bad movie on here for a while, because like, there's been... something, there's something fun, uh, especially fun about like the Wild Wild West and the Death Notes and the like lesser movies that we cover but we still kind of cover from our angle because we're clearly not as invested in them as some of the other movies we cover but it's still interesting to find like the weird reasons to enjoy them and even as they're absolute garbage so today we are talking about a movie that absolutely fits that bill it is a movie that came out one month before iron man and three months before the dark knight it was an interesting time. <laughs> like, if you looked at this movie, and you told me this came out in, like, 2004 or 2002, I would have been like, okay, cool. But, like, the f- proximity to genuinely good movies is honestly a little ridiculous. Yeah, so if you don't read titles or episode descriptions, we're talking about the classic Al Pacino film, 88 Minutes. Al Pacino vehicle, more than anything. It's like, oh, fuck, we got Pacino let's make a movie around him i guess but i i also told you while watching it that i had a feeling that al pacino didn't know that he was filming a movie <laughs> and a camera crew was just following him around on there his day-to-day some life moments where i'm just like you are very lackadaisical in what you're doing or it's you're just special- trying a little too hard when it comes to running he is no Tom Cruise. He is the antithesis of Tom Cruise, I would say. There is, if, on the scale of running, are you a Tom Cruise or an Al Pacino? So, 
I had first found this movie from the How Did This Get Made episode about this movie, which is an absolute gem. I will just re-listen to it randomly sometimes because it's such a fucking good episode. But there's a joke in that episode about how Al Pacino runs like he's holding two eggs, like one egg in each hand, and it is honestly way too perfect. You should just go watch that with that in mind, then every time you see him running, he's just carrying two eggs. Just so gingerly. Double fisting eggs. Just so gingerly. Like, he's in a contest that he's about to lose. Um, But yeah, so this is 88 Minutes. It came out in 2008, and it stars Al Pacino as Jack Graham. Dr. Jack Graham. A forensic psychologist, which... Is not a cop. He's not a cop. He's not a cop. He's not even, like, a forensic whatever. It's like a forensic psychologist. It's like, I'm going to go to a crime scene and tell you what they were thinking. Yeah, he's the one who will, like give you a psyche val on the suspects and the which vi- is so weird like so keep that in mind while watching he's not a cop i hope you've seen this movie before you go in you absolutely don't have to to listen to our episode this isn't like a spoiler wall kind of episode but like this movie is such a clusterfuck that if you're gonna listen to our episode about it it at least would benefit you to at least maybe like go on youtube and watch some clips or something like you need to experience just how bad this is it's a real paint by numbers thriller even then, it's not that good. No. Um, so basically, the quick rundown of the movie <clears throat> is um, this serial killer who Jack Graham put in prison is now toying with Jack Graham. Or and, is he? Or is he? Because So it's the day that that serial killer is facing execution. And so then Pacino is just kind of living his life, doing whatever, and then he gets a call from a mysterious number with a you shitty mask voice. Whoa, whoa. You say living his life, doing whatever, but doing whatever is his yoga instructor gal pal doing like leg lifts She's while brushing... She's not brush- a yoga instructor. Well, She's an escort. Escort. While lifting her leg up in the air, brushing her teeth naked. Very extra <laughs> and very jarring. That's just whatever to Pacino's character like that's just that was just his apartment that wasn't even the character's apartment but so he just goes he goes about his life in a Jack Graham way which we will get into as the episode goes on and then he gets a call from a mysterious number that is badly disguised with a like voice modifier who says you have 88 minutes to live and it does not play out in completely real time. We actually kept a bit of a running tally. Yeah, so rough, because we stopped the movie a couple times. But like, and, roughly. But they were 10 minutes ahead. Which is crazy to me. I expected it to be like, we're going to fart around you, a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, you would expect it to run longer, because usually they're not good, but I guess. Yeah. Like <laughs> but even... it's still amazing. Like, I don't know, like I've been to seattle i didn't drive around or get around that much but it's like wow he's moving across the city back and forth rather quickly because he's borrowing cabs yeah okay let's roll that (laughs) so there's a point in the movie where he needs to get to one point in the city and he approaches a cabbie and's like i'll give you a hundred bucks for your cab and he to well to use the cab but the cab driver just sits in the back he yeah. doesn't even drive him around. Al Pacino's like, no, I'll drive you around yeah. for a hundred bucks. Like, there's so much that's insane about that. It's so weird. It's like, aren't you going to... What if What if you're that cab driver and, like, the cab crashes or something? Yeah. And it's like, you have to deal with the insurance claim. You can't say, oh, Al Pacino was driving my van for that 45 minutes, so he needs to pay. 
or whatever. Like, it's just, it's such a funny little thing because then there's all these pivotal moments of the movie that A, take place in a shitty taxi, and B, just have this random dude in a baseball cap in the background just like, yeah. hi, I'm here. I There was a point in the movie when they were driving around, like, who the fuck is that in the back? Is that a... St- and I was like, no, that's the cab driver. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so this movie, if we go on the Rotten Tomatoes page, which I, having already seen this movie, and we were trying to figure out what movie to watch, as soon as I saw what the Rotten Tomatoes page for this looked like, I was like, all right, we're done. We're finding, we're watching this. So the tomato meter is currently at 5%. I think this is the lowest we've ever had. Possibly. I believe so, yes. So this says, 88 Minutes is a shockingly inept psychological thriller thriller that expertly squanders the talent at hand. The audience score is 43%. I, I don't understand. Well, granted, okay, so the, that's high. Considering this movie came out in 2008. Yeah. Over a hundred thousand. Holy shit! User ratings. Because see, I'm looking at my phone. I couldn't see the number of user ratings. So there. 122 reviews, only six of them are fresh. Yes, and I think I browsed through all of them in preparation for this podcast. A lot of them go to dead links because this was over a decade ago. I forget, did you read the consensus? No. Yes, I just did. Yeah, Um, yeah, 43% liked it. That's that's insane. 3.1 out of 5 for the audience score. You just scroll down and you look at the photos, and there's just this fucking photo of Al Pacino holding an umbrella. <laughs> that's, just... that's a grave. Like, Al Pacino looks confused a lot in this movie. And you you can't tell if it's Jack Graham or if it's Al Pacino being confused. Because oh, the oh, way the movie is plot, like, the, the way the plot is structured and the way that the pacing moves along, it's either a, he doesn't give a fuck and he's just going to continue on with his day, or it's a five-alarm fire. Yep. Like, there's very little in between. Also, shout out to Al Pacino's hairdresser, Al Pacino, <laughs> for some wonderfully sculpted hair. It, it, it poofed. It poofed in so many ways. It bounces Going back to a him lot. running. When he runs, it, like, bounces up and down in the air. It's like a it's triple so that is trying to break free from his head. It's just, I forgot this era. I feel like we have a whole untapped like well that we can go to for this podcast and it's just like mediocre al pacino movies that came out in the early 2000s Mm -hmm. because there are so many that i like even i will forget about sometimes that are just like oh that movie's fucking awful it's just Mm. also i'm gonna interject with a new little segment audience reviews from rotten tomatoes this one comes from before we get into the main reviews this one comes from jonathan Hutchings, a super reviewer. Oh, Al Pacino, what happened? (laughs) Once you were one of the most acclaimed thespians, now you star in crap like this thriller whose implausible storyline and ridiculous characters pale next to a performance in which you seem to be either half asleep or yelling. (laughs) But uh, Daniel Perry, another super reviewer, he gave it a one and a half star. Pacino made me stick with it. And supporting players Alicia Witt and Neil McDonough weren't entirely awful. As for the rest of it, ugh, terrible direction. And Seattle was so obviously Vancouver with Canadian, <laughs> with Canada post trucks, routes, and shoppers. And then it continues on. That but, didn't yeah. even occur to me. <clears throat> I thought it was genuinely Seattle because they stick the fucking improv flyers and yeah. shit. 
I totally thought that it was like actually Seattle, but no, of I course totally, it's Vancouver. Course, I'm surprised we yeah. didn't see like the Vancouver staircase or whatever. Me too. Like, what the fuck? Also, I'm, I just screenshotted this and I'm going to put it like in the tweet about this episode or whatever. So you can do a, people who like this movie also like. And it's literally oh, just 88 God. minutes. <laughs> like, no one... There's no other movie. Because it's like, if you also like this, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, I... This is a cry for help. I enjoy watching this movie for what a shit show it is. I can't fathom liking it on an actual level. Oh, me neither. So, yeah. So what review do we want to start with? I... Film Journal? Film Journal is the one that made me say what the fuck the most. So, sure. So, uh, our first review, so if you're new, what we do is... Or actually, maybe we should start with the smaller one and then end with Film Journal, because, yeah, Film Journal's buck wild. So, if you're new to this show, what we do is we find two reviews opposite to our view of the movie from Rotten Tomatoes, and one conforming to our view, so we don't have an echo chamber. So, yeah. Our first review comes from... A time capsule of a website it has not been updated since I think 1992 <laughs> it is crazed the reviewer doesn't even say his name. It, it's just this guy that oh it's all it's of commentary them. yeah by Mike Smith yeah um, this website is a treasure trove I highly recommend go to the episode uh, description and go to this website you have not seen a website like this in years like we've covered some ones that come <clears throat> from bad websites but this is like something else entirely so uh the reviewer starts sorry the commentator just call him a reviewer be nice <laughs> Um, it, it, he describes it as a neat thriller with only a few plot holes. <laughs> 88 minutes is a fine showcase for the talent that is, is in all caps, Al Pacino. Celebrating his 36th, 36th year of movie making, Pacino has a role that allows him to chew up huge chunks of dialogue as he fights to convince the powers that be that the right man is sentenced to die. <sighs> Like, yeah, I, I like that even as this is a positive review, he admits that, like, Pacino is just chewing scenery up a storm because, like, this is next level. Like you yeah. said, it's like you don't know where Al Pacino ends and his character actually starts or, like, where he's actually, like, aware that the cameras are rolling half yeah. the time. Because he feels like he's just kind of, like, you woke Al Pacino up and then you made him do these things. Like... That, oh god, that reminds me of one of my favorite bits in the movie. There's so many bits in this movie that I love, because yeah. they're such a fucking clusterfuck, it's, but one of the bits that I love is when they are, when he calls in to MSNBC, like, so the serial killer that he put away who was about to face execution is live played, on MSNBC. Who was played by Neil McDonough, who has upgraded his career since this movie, He has a say. very, I'll say, eclectic, interesting career. Not in a bad way no, at I all. I appreciate it. And, like, I appreciated seeing him in this movie more so than I did when I first watched it because I've had, like, three seasons of Damien Dark since then. Um, but, like, so he's on MSNBC being interviewed, and then... 
Pacino watches the interview and it pisses him off. And so he just goes, get me on the phone with MSNBC. Call MSNBC and patch me through. And his secretary, who we'll get to in a little bit as her own separate thing, does that. And in the course of like five minutes, just completely is like, all right, you're going to be live on MSNBC. Here's the guy. If it's that easy to get on MSNBC... I will do that right now. It's not anymore. It's just in the sake of the movie. But so then they, he calls in and has basically confronts Neil McDonough. And the headshot that they show to show Dr. Jack Graham is calling is like the drunkest candid shot of Al Pacino. It's like a stock photo MSNBC had of Al Pacino. It's the worst photo. It's, it's as if like you can hear him going... Uh, like you in the photo almost because it's just you can hear the photo the photo is very loud the photo is just going uh so kind of connect so in the back to the review he says people and things conveniently turn up be it in secured security areas or teachers classrooms why that's a question for graham to investigate presumably in the sequel no which no sequel and then second of all conveniently turn up there's a point early on in the movie because the the communication between the 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 guys pulling the strings yeah. for the whole 88 minutes and Pacino is a cell phone. Yeah. Pacino stumbles and drops his cell phone on his own volition. Yeah. Nothing happens to him. He just drops his phone and is like, oh, no. What oh, do no. I do? Oh, no. And then he just ends up borrowing his student's cell phone. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? What was the point of that? And he calls his assistant and goes, rewire all my calls to this cell phone. And I'm like... Like, there's, it's 2008, and there's an understanding of technology that doesn't really exist. Yeah. Like, how can Al Pacino, who is old as balls in this movie, like, successfully engineer a three-way phone call? Like, I can't even do that now. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, yeah, the the breaking the phone, which, by the way, it shows the shot twice. Like, it lands in a wide shot, and then it it lands again in a close-up. And it breaks in completely different ways because they had to do it twice. Yep. Yeah. Also, um, Mike Smith, the reviewer, you spelled Graham's name wrong. Everyone spells Graham's name (laughs) wrong because the way that the movie spells it is stupid. No one paid attention to the credits. Um, But he also said, plot holes aside, the backstory is pretty inventive- as is the film's title. And special mention must be given to the city of Seattle, whose rain-covered streets help to set the somber mood uh, needed. Uh, But as we just learned from uh, super reviewer Daniel Perry, that was not Seattle. It was Van City. So nice try, Mike. It, yeah. I'm like, there, there is something to be said about like, oh, we're going to set this and it's not going to be in New York. But then also that lets you get away with, like you said, there's like no sense of space because it's the equivalent of like, who knows how far he went. Like, you exactly. have no clear. Like if it was New York, I got to get to 35th and whatever. And no. it's like, we wouldn't call it's the, bullshit It's the on. equivalent, especially knowing that it's Vancouver. It's the equivalent of the CW shows where it's like, oh yeah, we can get from here or to there in like anything. half an hour. Yeah. But it's like, no. Uh, he also... Um, and enjoy. So he ends it by saying, "An enjoyable thriller for those who don't worry about plots." <laughs> On a scale of zero to four stars, I give eighty-eight minutes two and a half. Two and a half, like <laughs> for those who don't worry about plots. If you like bullshit nonsense, if you this like just movie, having Clockwork Orange-style images fed to you, <laughs> then this movie is for you. Pretty much, like it is. It is fun when you 
if if you get too wound up in the plot, you're gonna hate this movie. Yeah. But like, if you focus on it, but also just let it do whatever the fuck it's gonna do, then it becomes an enjoyable viewing experience. You just don't take it seriously. No, because it's even though everyone in this movie is taking it so fucking seriously, but just because they are doesn't mean you have to. <laughs> But yeah, are we going to go to Seattle? So let's go to the Seattle Times now. I picked this review, A, because Seattle, and B, because female, like, reviewer, which seems kind of like a big deal in 2008. It does. Considering how overwhelmingly white male the critic stuff seemed to be at that point in time. Yes, it was very male dominated well the industry continues to be yes male but, dominated but this is even more so like as a time capsule so this is written by moira mcdonald um it was so was published you pointed this out originally published april 18th 2008 updated april 17th 2008 at 4 55 p.m the seattle times is abusing time travel to update shitty movie reviews <laughs> or just something in their back end failed but it's just kind of funny um so the title of this review is 88 minutes is ugly but pacino's hair is fab so who is threatening to kill forensic psychologist dr jack graham calling him on a cell phone and whispering menacingly um so let's see what does this review have to say about this wonderful movie anyone who has to sit through john abbott's 88 minutes a disjointed ugly mess of a thriller would harbor violent feelings against graham as the film's grim countdown continued i wonder if i could possibly bump and bump him off myself and end the movie you do totally get that feeling though like there's a portion in the movie where you're like just fucking die already like if it there's like an increasing amount of insane events where it's impossible for Al Pacino to escape, but he somehow manages. There also were several events where it's like, okay, so you wanted to try to kill him 20 minutes in or 40 minutes in? Then yeah. what was the whole point of the 88 minutes if you're going to explode his car 50 minutes in? Yeah. Like that part doesn't... It. It's all... <sighs> It's all supposed to be orchestrated like like a Sherlock kind of thing of like I'm outsmarting like this villain who's always two steps ahead of but me. But it's not half but, as clever. And and none of the justification for any of the individual actions all makes sense. Like there's no grandmaster plan where all of the individual parts feed into each other. It's just kind of in the third act. It's like, oh, Dr. Graham, you're here. Good. That's exactly what I planned. And it's like, no, you didn't. You were going to blow him up in his car if he hadn't, like, left his car 30 seconds beforehand. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so it took the first female reviewer to point this out of the movie. (laughs) And since no thriller seems complete these days without gratuitous torture porn, we're treated to some repellent scenes of violent crime, practiced upon nubile young victims in lingerie is pacino really this hard up for work it is a deeply misogynistic movie oh it definitely is it's it's the opening scene which lingers i'll say the opening scene lingers way too long on the newspaper announcing the death of princess diana we have to let you know it's 1997 we We really have to lay it on stick like there was no other way to let you know other than hey princess diana just died they show the newspaper and then they go man it's so sad that princess di died i know oh my gosh anyway you want to go get into bed in our underwear even though we're twin sisters yeah that was weird yeah there's this movie has a, a weird hatred of women despite so many women being in this movie like the female characters are kind of 
they're both enigmas and they're also so one-dimensional that it's honestly kind of astounding. Like, I remember we were complaining about this when we watched the movie, that his teaching assistant, who is being stalked by her ex-husband, who has the best name of a character in any movie that I've ever seen. I almost don't want to say it. I'm going to let them figure it out and experience it. Okay. So they can... (laughs) So they can just appreciate it on their own. Okay, well, pause it. Go watch the movie and come back and you can... It's Guy LaForge. Guy LaForge. Guy LaForge is a name. Guy LaForge, played by True Blood and the gifted Stephen Moyer. <laughs> like... He, who has no lines. He has one line that he says through a closed door. That's it. Yeah. And then he dies immediately. So, Elise, like Alicia Witt is being stalked by her ex-husband. And it becomes... Because Guy LaForge becomes a pretty prime suspect. Because he's this fucking mm-hmm. creepy-ass dude that Al Pacino has never seen before. Who wears all black and rides a motorcycle. But she, he dies by the real killer. And then, like, Alicia Witt is so like stoic like she doesn't really care and then 20 minutes later al pacino shares like his life story and the whole thing that happened with his little sister and she just starts bawling or like she then they go to the escort's apartment and they see her murdered and she just starts crying and i'm like what is your alicia witt expression of emotion she's a fine actress it's just this was not the right context for Mm, it. it Based off of this movie, no, she's a, she's, she's gotten a better, better. She's a better actress in other things, but there's so many like ways that this movie kind of hates women, in just all these subtle little ways. Like, I don't know. Uh, the only enjoyable elements to this film are Pacino's impressively hardworking hair. No matter how bad Jack Graham's day gets, his exuberant hair looks fabulous, and a cameo appearance by our own city. Though mostly shot in Vancouver, BC, 88 minutes ostensibly takes place in Seattle. Uh, yeah. In one scene, Graham, who, who's commandeered an agreeable cabbie's vehicle, drives frantically past Seattle's waterfront and under the viaduct, arriving moments later at his campus office, which is located at the University of British Columbia. Hey, traffic's never that good. See, even she admits, like, the plot force of it all. But yeah, like... It's... This, I'm, I am glad that she points out, like, the misogyny of it all and the weirdness of it all and the hair. Because that's all it is. That the movie can be boiled down to, like, four things. Hair, plot holes, cabby, and... Milkmaid! So, maybe ten minutes into the movie... I thought you were going to say maybe ten things can, <laughs> can be boiled down. So about 10 minutes into the movie, Al Pacino is headed into the office at the FBI headquarters. This is, I have still been thinking about this scene, and it's been a week since we've seen this movie. So Al Pacino, he goes to work, and this, the sister of the victim who we first meet in the, like, the opening scene delivers some homemade cookies to Al Pacino, and he's very gracious and thankful. So he brings them into his FBI meeting with his co-workers, and... He offers. And he starts offering them and passing them out, and all of the like stoic FBI people are like, "No thanks, I don't want them." So Al Pacino, like, the germaphobe in me, lost my fucking mind. Al Pacino just throws, like, tosses the cookies on the table. No napkin, no nothing. He could have just fine. kept them in the Tupperware. It looked like a clean table. You know it wasn't. He's he's like boned someone on that table before. They show later in the movie that like Shelley made out with. 
one of the students at like in that office. So I'm like, that's not a safe condition. But so he puts the cookies on the table and passes them out, and then he just sits and there. Then and then he and then and then he goes on the intercom. Yeah. To uh, talk to his assistant and Shelly. ask for for milk. Yes. And he's like, "Do you want milk?" And it's like, "No milk." milk? And right. No one wants milk. All right, three glasses of milk. Yeah. And then some time passes. They're talking about the case at hand, and then. Shelly comes in, and she just says in this half sarcastic, half genuine tone. Like, who who is the actress again for Shelly? I don't remember. Amy Brenneman. Amy Brenneman. She saw an opportunity, and she and she took it. She's like, this is why my one moment. Or the director was like. Hey, we just want one take of you screaming "milkmaid" as you come into the room because she says it in this so misogynistic '50s way of just like "milkmaid," and then all of the men just look at her like, "What the fuck?" And then there's a like, I swear it felt like 90 second long sequence of her just kind of looking awkwardly and making eye contact with everyone in the room, and then just kind of being like, "Oh," and like. And it's not, backing out of the room. And it's not like Shelley didn't know that they were talking about a grisly murderer. She also is like the best character of this movie. Like she's seen some shit. She knows what yeah. she's doing. And then that moment just boils her down to like, I'm just passing out milk and cookies. Like it's so awful. I also like that the FBI fridge is stocked with milk. Yes. Enough I milk. I told you, Al Pacino has a milk fetish. I'm pretty positive that Jack Graham has a milk fetish in this he movie. He does. Because it is... Like, I kept thinking about Milk and, like, how he behaved in that scene because it's just so stupid and so wonderful. Like, Shelly is the best character in this movie, and even though she doesn't necessarily try to be, because there's so many little weird lines and bits where it's like, like, she tell like, Jack calls her and is like, I need you to retrace whoever just called me, and I need you to hurry. And she goes, okay. And then she hangs up the phone. She gets a post-it, writes, like, trace phone number, <laughs> and then puts it up near her. And I'm like, like, you can't remember that? And I'm like, that's not a thing you're going to do in, like, two weeks. It's a thing you need to do, like, right now. Like, there's just so many little things like that that are so stupid, and I love them. It's, it's utterly fantastic in an awful way. Yes, like we could just talk about the little bits that like are so stupid in this movie, and I'm sure we'll get to some as we talk about the film journal review. I wanted to save this one for last because it is bad. So this comes from Doris and Tora McKean, Tora McKean. Um, with ten executive producers on board, the uh-oh meter for 88 minutes skyrockets to red, warning of a cheesy film ahead the warning is justified but not all cheese is stinky (laughs) at 105 minutes there's one main reason for 88 minutes that doesn't feel like 205 minutes and that is al pacino who again puts this familiar but always committed and arresting italian-american new york spin on shtick does he though no no he's just playing al pacino no Uh, you've gotten so quiet have i yes i was just reading this riveting review i know you're just reading it very quietly it just i hadn't realized how many producers there were i wasn't paying attention to five production company logos at the start of this movie it's a lot it's it's so much that is that does raise some red flags on the uh uh-oh meter yeah absolutely um but yeah the let's see yeah so the review goes on this is the longest review 
Yes. Um, Doris spent the most amount of time and effort yes. into reviewing this movie, so thank you for that. But At also, least, what your review was was something else. Uh, cliches of the genre abound, the loony ending notwithstanding. Even the abundant blood flows and stains like thick syrup or melted lip gloss. But 88 Minutes offers one relatively fresh angle in its embrace of the genre. What computers were similar to the Diane Lane starter? Untraceable. Cell phones are here. It's the frequent threatening mobile calls that drive the story and provide some oral menace and mystery. Do they, though? Like, no. this, uh, going to today, they obviously don't. I'm sure at the time there might have been some sort of, like, more spectacle to it. It would be like uh, getting a text message and Al Pacino would be like, new number, who this? Yeah. Like, if you if that happened now, you just wouldn't answer the phone if it was a restricted yeah. phone number. You'd be like, no. And I remember there's one bit in the phone where they literally, or in the film where they literally say, like, oh, they call, like, Sh- Shelly traces the call, and it's like, oh, it's from one of those prepaid phones, you know, the kind that you put minutes in. It's, like, they have to explain that because it's 2008, yeah. and that's still not a thing that people understand. Um, also, I don't understand what this means. This line in the review, 88 Minutes also supplies plenty of eye candy and other stimuli for the sports bar crowd. Is it literally because all of the flashbacks are set in a sports bar? I think so. I, there's no I, other I, reason. Just just, just talk about that line. The line after is its whole other discussion, but just talk about that line on its individual yeah. basis. So the line after con- No, I, okay, I meant, so, like, keep talking about okay, this. So because the sports bar... The sports bar crowd... I, it's fucking... The sports bar flashbacks are fucking nuts. I will tell you that much. Which come in out at the weirdest of times, and it's not even <laughs> they new... They defy the laws of physics. And they're not even new flashbacks. It's the same ones over and over <laughs> and again. And they keep being progressively slowed down to the point where everyone is just derping up a storm. They're so... They're, like, 20 seconds long, and anyone watching Al Pacino, he's just standing there staring... But then, like, it'll flash back to, like... Because the, the catalyst, sort of, of the movie is that one of Al Pacino's students got murdered after the... Because they all went out drinking to celebrate the... That Neil McDonough's character was going to be executed, which like, it's a, a like macabre thing, but whatever. And then one of the students then went home and got murdered. But they sent a video to the FBI, and it's literally her being like, "Jack Graham lied. I can't believe he did that." And then it ends, and or like then she says her whole spiel, and then she goes, "It's over. Did I say what you wanted me to say?" Like so, it's very clear she's like under duress. She's and under t- duress, and then she's murdered for like. Like 90 minutes and that's no way like i'm not a big city lawyer but i know that's not admissible in court yeah, as like, a <laughs> like having a confession end with like okay did i say everything you wanted me to someone clearly under duress and being yeah. coerced into but, saying something so i feel bad for that actress in particular because she has to do that scene and then they cut back to her in the flashbacks and it's just like magnificent levels of derping as she like turns around to look at Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, she sticks out her tongue. Her in, tongue is sticking out when she's trying to seduce Al Pacino. In the, everyone wants to fuck Al Pacino. Is what happened to Seattle? Did Seattle get ugly all of a sudden and their standards get low in 2008? Everyone wants to fuck Al Pacino. He, they all want a little bit of that hua. <laughs> Like, the only person who doesn't want to fuck him is Shelly, who has the best line in the movie of, like, because he goes, hey, Shelly, why didn't we get married? We've always talked about getting married. And so she goes, before, yeah. so I'll read the next line after the sports bar oh, yeah. crowd. There's even some sapphic titillation for the guys by way of Shelly, 
a lipstick lesbian who falls under suspicion after a naughty makeout session with one of Jack's students. Just, there's some sack, like, okay, I, it's too early in the morning for me to be reading the phrase. There's even some sapphic titillation for the guys. So, okay, what the fuck, Doris? This, yes, this is clearly written and made by dudes. Yeah. Uh, it and just... pandering to dudes. But no, so, going back to one of my favorite lines, Jack asks Shelly, like, why don't we have a good married? She goes, well, I'm a lesbian and you're a commitment phobe. <laughs> It was and that, then he goes, that's why we're perfect for each other. And it's it was like, like them trying to do some like James Bond money penny kind of dynamic that, that doesn't so work. Bad. It's really, I should have pieced the Shelly uh, Sabolsky thing early on because Shelly says like, I'm a lesbian. Yeah. And then early on, I... You mean Sobieski? Sobieski, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know names from this movie. Uh-huh. So her character, yeah. I, I called out and it's like, oh, she's clearly a lesbian. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're in the class, and the wi- Lily Sobieski's character is, like, in a three-piece. Like, she has, like, a vest and, like, a button-up shirt. Just to class. Just to class. Like, it's like a, no a, one... an early morning class. And she's over there just kind of, like, outsmarting Jack Graham and, like, being like, oh, I already went to grad school, or, or I'm in grad school, or blah, 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 blah. And it's, like, the way that her demeanor is, you instantly were like, yeah, she's gay. And then I should have pieced together when Sel- Shelly was like, I'm gay, too. And it's like, why did the pieces were right there? Like, like, of course they make out with each other, yeah. and then something goes wrong, and then surprise, Lily Sobieski is the villain, because, you know. You know. <sighs> Production values, including the snappy editing and fine photography, are solid. Are they, though? You have low standards, Doris. Are they, though? No. No, they're <laughs> Remember, not. Remember, talk about the flashback with the kite. The kite flashback. I, that was very confusing. Because <laughs> the, there's a... F- there's a photo of that scene later on that you see in Jack's apartment that is horribly photoshopped together. It there's this whole kite flashback from Jack's because there's POV. this whole subplot with his sister and because the whole reason why the film is called Eighty Eight Minutes is because like a, so, a serial killer that Jack Graham was looking after somehow broke into his apartment when he wasn't there and his sister was just hanging out there by herself because Jack was like a workaholic and he left her at home and she. He, he tortured and murdered her for 88 minutes. And so then that... So then the, the whole... But it takes him an hour into the 88 minutes to, like, bring that up. Yeah. I'm like, how... If if someone called you and said you have 88 minutes to live, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's just a prank call. I would be like, what the fuck? They, how do they know that? And then and That's a very specific thing to know. But, like, the first 20 minutes of the, mo- of the movie are him just being like, eh, it's a prank call, whatever. And then, yep. like, the, the threats just keep getting escalatingly worse and weird. It's like they really have to lay it on for Al Pacino to really... He's like, no, we're actually going to kill you. He's like, oh, I thought this was just Tuesday. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, at one point he says, like, people try to kill me or threaten to kill me every semester yeah. or whatever. A special treat is Jack's coolly elegant and high-end apartment that is ahem to die for. That fuck you, fuck like you, Doris. Two and a half scenes. Fuck you, Doris. And it's you not thought that you were good. so clever for I that know. line. And beyond his ultra plush digs, the rainy and overcast Seattle locations like those in Untraceables nearby Portland deliver atmosphere perfect for torturing, slaughtering, and solving mysteries. That is the worst. Uh, tourism campaign slogan come to Seattle perfect for torturing slaughtering and solving mysteries (laughs) lurid cynical and cheesy as it is 88 minutes doesn't entirely disappoint Doris you have no taste 
we like you, but you have no taste. I just... There's so much we haven't even talked about this with this movie. We haven't talked about Ben McKenzie being like... Ben McKenzie. So the film does an awful job of <laughs> casting suspicion on all of his students. When and everyone he, is someone who was on a WB show. <laughs> but really, though, so there's a point in the in the movie where Jack gets a phone call and he's hiding behind a half wall. So you literally <laughs> just see from his nose up. Yes! And he's looking out over his class like... With suspicion on all of his students, and, and it's like a Jaws style close up of like the the camera dollies into his face, but it's done in this way that's so fucking stupid, and it goes from like just Al Pacino's eyes to like it Alicia push, Witt, it pushes to it ben on McKenzie, everyone's face, to Lily Sobieski, yeah. so on and so forth, and just the the way that that scene is cut is a masterpiece because it's so bad. It's so very bad, but effective in an amateurish way it's just it's so bad uh, yeah so 88 minutes is a movie that you can choose to watch if you want i'm just looking at the trivia while i'm hanging out or while we're winding down it, so this movie it made a little over 16 million i don't know what the budget was but good lord that it, 2000 I would I because summer of 2008 wasn't even that slow because we had no. Dark Knight and Iron Man so what were people this doing? is April though that was like early uh, the budget was 30 million opening weekend was seven gross was 16.9 wow. this kicked off the summer movie season <laughs> this was the Avengers Infinity War of, yep. the, of the 2008 season we've come so far and fallen so hard it's just I please in, please watch this movie or at least go watch clips. It will delight you in one way or another. It's such a mess. As Louise Keller of the Urban Cinephile succinctly said in her review, "Don't bother." <laughs> but you should bother because if <laughs> if you're drunk or yeah. just bored, this movie is going to be a delight. Even if it's just absolutely awful, which it is, like you're still gonna find. Like, it, it's, there's a difference between, like, boring awful and entertaining awful, and this is entertaining awful. Or as Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune said, the preposterous 88 Minutes is a serial killer movie starring Al Pacino's Festival of Hair. <laughs> You're just bringing other reviews into the, I'm just I don't like, know how I feel about this. These reviews are more well-written than the movie. But really, though. It's, it's... Oh. <laughs> Shelley. Who did you let inside my secure, my secure files there? So, whoever wrote this movie doesn't know how the English... Dialogue works or the English language works? Every character so, is written exactly the same. So, there's a point in the movie where Pacino is trying to locate something. Uh, no, so he finds out that... He, he, he figures out, finally, that whoever the killer is knows the 88 minutes of it all. And so then he knows that, like, he has the only copy of the audio of his sister being murdered, which, like, okay. So, and it's in his secure files area in his office. So then he calls Shelly, and this ends up... This leads to the reveal that, like, Shelly made out with Lily Sobieski, and then that's how she stole the stuff. But so then he, he just says, with this utmost earnestness and just genuineness Shelly did you let someone inside my secure files area which is in any other context would mean butthole <laughs> but in this case Al Pacino means his file cabinet his secure files cabinet 
it, like I don't understand. Like no one talks like that. No one calls it your secure files area. It's just so not amazing. even in the porn parody would would just be butt stuff. But in this case, <laughs> it's just so it's so wonderfully bad. Like if that if that scene is any indication, you need to just like get drunk and watch this movie because you will have a great time. Get drunk in eight minutes and then enjoy the rest of the eighty minutes. Yes, good point. So I don't even like I don't want to. F- so the last bit that no, we, we don't need to do that. No, I was gonna say so. No. Usually our last bit is we fan cast people from the movie we're talking about into like comic book stuff. No, but I don't want any of these people touching. No, if anyone who already has has done a fine job, I don't want anyone else anywhere near a comic book movie. Like. I'm honestly surprised Al Pacino's not in Joker. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> He'll just walk on set. He'll just be in the background in New York. Hua. 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 <laughs> you need to find that supercut that you showed me of, I think, Scent of a Woman, of just all the Al Pacino noises. There, he makes a lot of... Half of his dialogue in his movies are just him making noises. But, like, that one from Scent of a Woman, it, where he's just... It's just, like, random grunting and then just, like... Cocksucker! (laughs) I'll tweet it out from the tomato account. It's such a thing of beauty. Like, we will put it in the episode description, too, because it's just... I I forgot how much I enjoy laughing at Al Pacino and his noises. He makes so many noises. Hooah. So, I think that is it for this episode. Yes. It was not 88 minutes long. You're welcome. (laughs) How much time was it? Yeah, it's it was like 40-something. Well, so good. You could listen to this episode twice, roughly. <laughs> and not have to watch 88, 88 minutes. minutes. Well, 88 minutes is 120 minutes long. We should mention that, by the way. Which is like 119 minutes too long. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on they, the social media? They can or find they can hunt you down with a cell phone and just say hua. Hua. You can find me huaing on in Twitter. In your secure files in area. In my secure files area. That's just for me. <laughs> on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at there Chris Vito. You, I, I don't know what the link... Go to my Twitter and you'll find a link to my Redbubble and you can buy my shit. Yeah. We're gonna. We're also going to launch a Redbubble for this show relatively soon. Probably a couple 88 Minutes inspired designs because we thought of way too many while watching this movie. So get ready for a hua t-shirt and <laughs> various other puns. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Jenna Lynn. There you can find a link to literally everything that I do um, on, online, not in real life. Um, you can find our show at Tomato Tomato Pod on Twitter. We also have a Gmail account that's Tomato Tomato Pod at gmail.com. Um, subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcasts if you don't already. Um, go leave us a review on iTunes. I did check yesterday. We do have a review. Holy shit, really? And whoever that person was, I can't remember their username off the top of my head i am eternally grateful for you was it a good review i don't even care we yes, got a review it was a good review go, Holy on, shit. go there and check i'm gonna go look up this review that's it's fucking on amazing iTunes. yeah like click your I, itunes page i, I want to shout out the person i just can't remember their username because i had forgotten to check for tomato reviews yeah. in a while and it's like i just assumed that all of you listeners were just being mean to me <laughs> and don't love me even though i love you unconditionally i might Okay, Barney. <laughs> um, so I'm going to the thing now. So tomato, tomato. It we is tomato, gave... tomato. It's not tomato, tomato. It's not tomato, tomato. It's tomato, tomato. Yes. Let's just call the whole thing off. <laughs> um, so I'm pulling up the review now. So thank you to this person 
Seriously. for leaving a review. And my computer Seriously. is just slow. Um, where's the review? Oh my god! I know. So it came from Renegade Mermaid. I Thank know. you. Four, four out of four. Yeah, uh, I know. But five stars. And their I, title was fresh. Fresh. Thank you. Thank you, Ren- thank you Renegade Mermaid. Renegade Mermaid, you you are my new favorite person. You left this review back in April, and we somehow just found it. But I think thank it might just be like so iTunes much. being weird. Yeah, but, but also thank you so much. Like we we genuinely appreciate it. It, so it if, helps us out a lot. So if you want a shout out on the show, give it. Yeah, give if, us an iTunes review. We will literally like. Quote, whatever you say in your review within reason, if you just leave us a positive iTunes review. You can literally write anything in the review. Yeah. And we'll read it. Just it write hua. It doesn't even have to be about our show. No. It could be about anything. But these reviews help so much. So we genuinely appreciate it. It's really nice knowing that, like, someone took the time to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think that's it for us. Yeah. That's it. Hua. Hua. Keep watching movies. Except 88 minutes, unless you're really fucking drunk. (laughs) Goodbye.